You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. Hashtag blessed. It's one of the most used hashtags on social media. But have you ever wondered, just what does it mean to be blessed? Maybe you've wondered how one goes about being blessed or living into the blessing. Thankfully, Psalm 1 gives us a God's eye view into what it is to be blessed and how to pursue a life of blessing. Join us this May at St. Luke Church as we pursue the blessed life together. Feeling blessed, never stressed. Got the sunshine on my Sunday bed. Tomorrow, as we've said, is Memorial Day, as you're well aware of that, and it's a time in which we celebrate and recognize and honor those who serve our country, and especially those who've given the ultimate sacrifice and given their life in service for our country. These are the folks who have preserved our right to life and liberty. Remember those who've given their lives, and pray for those who are still with us. Pray for them and for their families, and be sure to give them a word of gratitude, because they're the reasons we are who we are, and have what we have. So thank you. All right, this morning we're going to continue our look at Psalm 1, and today our focus is going to be on verses 3 and 4 in that psalm, but I'd like us to go ahead and read the whole thing together. It's not very long, and that gives us the opportunity to see these verses in the context of the whole psalm. So let's read this together. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I love the book of Psalms. Do you? I absolutely love it. It has it all, right? It has joy anger, fear, hope, love, celebration, worship. It covers the entire range of our emotions, our lives, our thinking about God, our questions for God. I just love it. And you know, sometimes, from time to time, people will ask me if it's a sin to be angry at God. Now, first of all, no, it's not. You might as well confess it to God because he knows anyway, right? But if you're ever wondering, absolutely it's not a sin, and if you're unsure, just read the book of Psalms. There is plenty of stomping our feet at God and shaking our fist at God and all kinds of things in there where we can honestly express our emotions and our anger and all kinds of things with God. It is not a sin, and the book of Psalms assures us of that. And you know, when you do that, it's okay. It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God, and the book of Psalms is a book of honesty with God. It's a book of bringing God everything you have, everything you are, and it shows us who we are to God. Do you have a favorite psalm? I do. It's Psalm 103, 
And I first encountered it in a real way early in my walk of taking my faith seriously. Do you know that song? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He forgives all my iniquity. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. He removes my sin as far as the east is from the west. This psalm hit me especially hard at that time because as I was growing in my faith, I was also growing in an awareness of where I was falling short of a better way. And the psalm showed me that God loved me regardless and that he could make it all okay. It was incredibly humbling and it was a powerful moment in my walk. Like many of the psalms, Psalm 103 paints a beautiful picture too, like the verses in, uh, that we're looking at today. Verses three and four, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Wow. Talk about beautiful imagery. Talk about a beautiful picture. Trees planted by streams of water, trees that yield fruit in season, trees whose leaves don't wither. Beautiful, peaceful. Picture for just a moment, if you would, dipping your hand into that water, letting the water flow over it, how refreshing that would feel. I would sure go there, wouldn't you? Yeah. And then there's the chaff. Do you know what chaff is? It's the husk of a grain of wheat. When you harvest wheat, there are lots and lots of little tiny grains of wheat on each stem. And each little grain has a little tiny husk on it. Now, if you have enough wheat to amount to anything useful, you sure don't want to have to pick each husk off by hand one by one. That would take a really long time. So a different technique was developed. Workers would let the grain dry out some, and then they would toss the grain up in the air, and the husks, which are dry and light and a little bit like little tiny sails, they catch on the wind and they blow away. And the good grain, which is more dense and shaped more like little oval stones, it falls to the ground where the workers collect it. It works kind of like this. Now see in this picture, the people on the left, you've got a person kind of shaking the grain up in the air, and there's another person fanning it to make sure there's enough breeze. And that mound that one person is standing on, that's all the good ground, uh, all the good grain that has come to the ground. And all that blowing in the wind there, that's the chaff. That's the chaff that's just blowing away in the wind. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like chaff? Have you ever felt dried out? blown around, blown aside, cast aside, kind of worthless. That's what this passage is talking about. Psalm 1 presents us with our choice. Do we want to be like the tree or do we want to be like chaff? It's a powerful contrast, isn't it? Lots and lots and lots of good things or nothing. That's our choice. We're in this series on Psalm 1, and last week we learned several things. One thing we learned has to do with the word blessed. We use that word a lot in our culture, and we use a lot in church life too. We are blessed, we feel blessed, we offer blessings. We learned that in the context of Psalm 1, and really in the context of much of Scripture, blessed can be used somewhat interchangeably with the word happy. 
So when we talk about being blessed, we can say that we're happy and fortunate because of the abundance of God's grace in our lives. Another thing we learned is four rules for chasing the righteous life when God is the source of your blessing. Do you remember what those rules are? Pop quiz. Rule one, avoid wicked and harmful advice. It's good advice. Rule two, avoid the wide road of sin. That road is wide and it's easy to follow. That's the one we're supposed to avoid. Rule three, avoid mean girls. Don't listen to the mockers, the gaslighters, the naysayers, and those who ridicule, just ignore them. Don't pay attention to them. And rule four, meditate on God's word. Now, another thing that Pastor Brian said last week really struck lots of people, I think, and it was this. Blessing isn't the outcome, it's the cause. Blessing isn't the outcome, it's the cause. I don't think I've ever heard our church as still and quiet as it was when he said that. Blessing is the outcome. Excuse me, blessing isn't the outcome, it's the cause. We don't do things to be blessed. We don't do things and then are blessed. We're able to be who we are and do what we do because we're blessed. And God is the blesser. God is the root cause of the blessings in our life. Have you pondered that this past week? You may have even experienced a pretty major paradigm shift over that one. This week, we're looking especially closely at verses three and four. And so applying the blessed isn't the outcome, it's the cause concept to those verses can look like this. When a person loves God and follows God's guidance for their life, the outcome is that they're rooted and fruitful and don't wither and blow away. When a person loves God and follows God's guidance for their life, the outcome is that they are rooted and fruitful and don't wither and blow away. Let's dig into that a bit more. Now, Psalm 1, it's a pretty short psalm. It begins the book of Psalms intentionally. It's both the introduction to and the outline for the book, and it has a powerful message in its own right, and it makes a striking claim. This psalm tells us that there are two ways we can choose to shape our lives. There are two ways, and it's our choice. One of the ways leads to life and flourishing. The other leads to insignificance and death. And what do these two ways look like? Well, one looks like a beautiful, flourishing tree, near water, strong and flourishing and full and strong and firm. The other, the other way, well, it looks like dust. Sounds like the choice should be easy, doesn't it? But as we well know, we need help remembering this, and sometimes we even need help seeing it. The key to understanding Psalm 1 is a better understanding of these two words, blessed and happy. As we've said, the biblical translations actually use these two words pretty interchangeably. When you look up Psalm 1 or any number of other psalms for that matter, some, psalms, uh, some translations will say blessed and some will say happy to mean the same thing. And remember that last week we learned that a good translation for blessed is to say we're happy and fortunate because of the abundance of God's grace in our lives. Now we may tend to equate happy with a temporary emotion but one of the synonyms for happy is content. Another one is joyful. Those are much less temporary and much less emotional words, aren't they? And they're much closer to what we mean here. Like many things, 
Our culture has tainted some of our understandings, and the true meaning of this word is one of them. Culture tells us that to be happy means we have lots and lots of stuff, and if we don't feel happy, well, let's just go get more stuff, and then we'll feel better. Well, all it takes is a mission trip to a third world country to see that that's not true. Anyone who's been on a trip like that can tell you that most of the folks have nothing, absolutely nothing, and yet they're happy. They're actually genuinely happy, and they're generous. So, no, having stuff isn't what the psalmist is talking about here, whether you use the word happy or the word blessed. No, what they mean is something much more fundamental. What they mean is being in the presence of God and recognizing the abundance of God's grace. Being in God's presence, focusing on what God has done for us, that is what it is to be happy and blessed, to be content and full of joy. Now, of course, related to that is taking the time to read Scripture and be in God's presence. Now, we make time for lots of things, and we often hear people say that time is their most precious commodity, and I think that's true. Our time is precious, and we make time for lots and lots of things. Do we make time for God? And I don't mean just coming to church which is great, by the way. I'm really glad you're here. But that's not all there is. There's a lot more. And not as a to-do, as a blessing, as happiness, as contentment and joy. You know, when the Psalms were written, and for most of human history, really, the vast majority of people worked very hard just to survive from one day to the next. There was no downtime. There was work, eat, sleep every day, work, eat, sleep, just trying to stay alive. And because the struggle for daily survival was very real, it would have been a tremendous luxury to have time to read the Bible and meditate on God's Word. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the musical Fiddler on the Roof. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's such a powerful story in the music, and it is really incredible. One of the songs in it is called, If I Were a Rich Man. Some of you already have it in your head, right? If I were a rich man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The lead character, Tevye, sings it. And as he does that, he muses about all the things he would have if he were rich. And he has quite a list, too. If I were a rich man, I'd build a big, tall house with rooms by the dozen right in the middle of the town with one long staircase just going up one even longer going down, and one more leading nowhere just for show. He'd have so much that his wife would be happy. He'd have so much that people would respect him. He'd have so much that he would just sit around all day doing nothing. We sometimes have those kind of dreams too, don't we? And then in his song, Tevye says this. He says, if I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall, and I'd discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day, and that would be the sweetest thing of all. Can you imagine that? After naming, well, singing actually a really quite extraordinary list of things he would have and do and be able to do for himself and for others. After thinking about the status he would have if he were wealthy, he says this, and he he sings it most tenderly. If I were rich... 
I would have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. I'd discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day, and that would be the sweetest thing of all. That would be the sweetest thing of all. Of all the things he could imagine, he could imagine quite a bit, the most precious thing would be time. And why is time the greatest luxury of all to him? Because then he would be able to meditate on God's word. That would be the sweetest thing of all. We have time, the greatest luxury of all. How we use it is our choice. Psalm 1 recommends it, urges us actually to spend as much time as possible in God's word, to delight in it, to find joy in spending time with God and focusing on God's instruction for our lives. And as we spend time in God's word, it begins to seep into us much like the water from the stream nourishes the tree. God's instruction strengthens us and it gives us the firm foundation that we need, that we seek, that we know we need. You know, this image of the difference between the happy and the unhappy life, it rings true, doesn't it? The wicked, those who find their own truth, who who turn away from God, they're blown about. They're never settled. And like the chaff of wheat, they're so light They're so unsubstantial that they just drift about, going from one pleasure to the next, from one thing to the next, from one truth to the next. They're never settled. They're never happy. The happy ones, the blessed ones, they're down by the river. What a stark difference there is between a piece of chaff and a magnificent tree. Deeply rooted in the earth, trees are the opposite of constant movement, of restlessness, of blowing away. They stand firm and tall, and because of their deep, far-reaching roots, they never lack for water. They don't thirst for the shallow pleasures of life. Rather, they're blessed because their roots are in the blessing. Their roots are in the source of life. You know, we live in a time and in a world in which we have access to more than ever before in human history. More things, more information, more good news, more bad news, more of just about everything. And it's so much that we can't possibly process it all. All of this takes a toll on us too. And Psalm 1, it actually prepares us for this onslaught and it provides us with a healthy response that's firmly rooted in and grounded in God, rooted in God's word, rooted in God's instruction, and rooted in God's love. We're shown a way that's not just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not a way that's meant to take all the fun out of life. It's a deep, continuous steeping of ourselves in God's word. It's trusting in God's leading. It's seeking God's counsel and learning to live and prosper, to truly prosper, to flourish, to thrive by turning again and again to the source of life, to delight in God's instruction, to follow God's way. That's to experience joy. It's the outcome of being blessed. Psalm 1, it shows us that there are two pathways, and it shows us that only one of those pathways leads to true life. The world throws a lot our way. Where we step and how we sift through it all, how we make sense of it all, how we act on it all, it's critical. It determines whether we are firm and fruitful or whether we just drift away. Do you remember last week when Pastor Brian referred to taking the road less traveled? 
It's like that. It's a decision to either walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh. And it's our choice. The road is um, the road of righteousness. That road, it's of meditating on, of delighting in God's Word and following God's instruction. It's the tree of life. It's a tree that's deeply rooted and has a firm foundation. It's fed by the water of life, and it's fruitful, and it's flourishing. The other road, it's a road of nothingness. It's a road that leads to desperation and desolation in mind and body and relationships and spirit. There's another image of Psalm 1 that I love too. And this one comes from pastor and teacher Sakina Young Skaggs. She says it like this. She says that Psalm 1 lays out a way of being in the world that she presents as stepping stones in the river of life. On one way, there's a stone that's marked blessed happiness. On the other way, the stone is marked cursed in despair. One way, a stone is marked upheld by God. And the other way, the stone is marked lost and gone. And the stones are actually pretty clearly marked too. Now, notice again that we are free to accept or reject this advice. The hiker in this picture, they could have taken either set of stones, and it's pretty clear which one's the better route, isn't it? But if they had picked the wrong route, they still could have gotten to the right one. It would have been a little messy. They'd get a little wet. There would be consequences for taking the wrong path to start with. But they could do it. Now back to my example from a few minutes ago. Years ago, before I started, or as I was beginning to take my faith seriously and intentionally incorporate it into my life, I can remember thinking, I really wish my life would stop feeling like a soap opera. And I knew the answer. I knew the answer. But I hadn't yet chosen the path that would get me there. Are there things I wish I had done differently? Of course there are. And do you know how silly and obvious it all sounds to me now? But I got on the right path through God's grace. By steeping myself in God's word and instruction, I got to the right path. Am I perfect? By no means. Absolutely not. Do I slip occasionally? Of course I do. But I got on the right path, and I will never go back. And that path is there for you, too. It's there for everyone, for everyone who will choose it. Now, Psalm 1, it has a lesson for us, and it's the lesson that's more than just a word to the wise. It's a word to be wise. Wise in our actions, wise in our choices, and wise in our relationships with God and with others. It's an important lesson, and it's a life-giving lesson. God's blessing is in the roots. God offers us, God offers you the strength and the foundation and the stability, the happiness and the blessing in life that come from him. And nothing else will give you those things. So be rooted in God and flourish. Amen. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we do love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for your provision, for your grace, and for the abundance of your care for us. We thank you, God, that you give us the opportunity to be rooted in you, and you've shown us the way. Give us the strength, give us the wisdom, help us make the right choices, and help us to walk with you and be steeped in your love and your mercy in the way that leads to life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.